How do you run a football club? It's the question I'm going to be asking some of the most influential names in the game in this, my new podcast. But to kick things off, I'm sticking with what I know. How have Hashtag United signed a goalkeeper from Chelsea? Some clubs are losing hundreds of thousands of pounds a year at our level. Is Hashtag United for sale? Hashtag United is not just another football club. It's my football club. came about from us loving playing football computer games, right? And why do we love playing football computer games? Because it's a way to keep playing football when you can't play football. It's pretty much everything I've worked for for the last eight years. Me, my brother, and plenty of others. From friendlies to Wembley. Two mergers, 40 teams, four promotions, and some pretty incredible untold stories. A manager of a football club sending voice notes to players that didn't sign for him saying he's going to cut their head off and put it in a paper bag. Violent, criminal behaviour. We've smashed records and boundaries. We've won silverware and friends. So how do we run our football club and our hashtag at a crossroads? All right, guys, how you doing? Welcome to a brand new podcast, a brand new video series on the channel. It's called How to Run a Football Club. Right. And listen, I'm not saying I have all the answers about how to run so, do you know anyone? a football club. Yeah, I do run a football club, but it's not me telling you how to run one. This is a podcast where we're going to explore the different ways you can run a football club. We're going to talk to all kinds of different people in the world of football, club owners, players, clubs that are like maybe my team and come off the Internet, clubs that are more traditional, clubs that are in the you know, the, the, the professional world of football, clubs that are in non-league, which is a whole different kettle of fish. Oh, yes. And we're going to learn about all the different ways, the good and bad ways, the football clubs are run. And it's going to hopefully be a really fascinating reveal behind the scenes of how football works. So obviously, I've got my brother Seb with me here. Um, this isn't a Hashtag United podcast. There's a reason we're doing this on my channel, Spencer FC, and not Hashtag United. This is about me learning about other clubs to maybe help me run my club, Hashtag United, and help you guys understand more about football. But today's episode is going to be Hashtag United focused. We decided to kick it off with a, a catch-up in a way mm. between me and you about all the crazy things that have happened at this club, many of which we haven't talked about in the last, well, over five we years. We couldn't talk about some of them. Some of them we couldn't talk about, that's right. Some of them we felt maybe we needed a little bit more time to pass, a bit more distance. Um, the reason we're doing this now is I actually think this is the perfect time to maybe bring some of you guys back into the Hashtag United story that haven't watched it in a while. Maybe you've never watched Hashtag United, the football club we created on this very channel, and then it kind of grew into its own beast on the Hashtag United channel. Um, for me, we're at a level now where it gets really interesting. Even to the the sort of uninvolved non-hashtag fan, I think we're at a level where I aim to us, for us to get to five years ago. We created a five-year plan. I'm actually writing a book all about it right now, which is the five years of non-league we've had, the five seasons we've had. We wanted to get three promotions for the men's team in those five years. We achieved it. We actually technically did it in four years because... Two years were added together for COVID. So technically, it was only one season over two years. We also got a fourth promotion with our women's team, which is a whole different thing we can talk about. And the club has grown to a crazy, crazy level. But I aimed to get to the levels we're at right now, Seb. Let's remind people they don't know the levels hashtag are at. So we're now at a, a level called the Ishmian Premier Division for the men. It's the seventh tier, or it's the third step of non-league. So essentially means... The first step or the first tier is the Premier League. We're at the seventh. So League Two is the fourth tier. It's the last official professional level of football. Then you have the National League. Then you have Nas National League South and North. Then you have us. So if we were to get promoted, we'd go to the National League South as we're in the south of the country. 
Um, the women, by the way, are in the third tier of women's football, one below the championship, and they currently sit top of that league. And that is a conversation we're going to have situation. on this podcast. But the level we're at now, Seb, a great example of why it's getting serious is we've currently got a, a goalkeeper on loan from Chelsea Football. Well, it's not just that, spent Money. It is yeah. getting expensive, let me tell you. And yeah. I think that is one thing that we can get into a lot more and you can get into a lot more on this show is like the money side of it. Yeah, we've always been super transparent with the way hashtags run and we've often made videos over on the hashtag channel talking about that. Um, in this episode, we're going to do the same. We're actually going to go further than we've talked before. But this is like, a okay, it's, it's for the general football fan as well as yeah. a hashtag fan. We want you to understand some of the challenges we've had and how mm. we've done what we've done. Um, it isn't the only way to do things, but we do think we've kind of stumbled upon a fairly unique way of mm. doing things at hashtag. Maybe a way that can't necessarily be replicated. Uh, that's one of the questions I get a lot yeah. from other people. Is like, how how do you do what you did a hashtag? You know, how, how can we do something similar? And it's like, okay, you got to go back 15 years ago, start making videos, miming to music in your mum and dad's attic. Then you got to do stand up. Then you got to do FIFA videos for yeah, like yeah. years. Then you make a football team. It's quite hard to emulate it. But um, yeah, we're at a level now where it is taken seriously. You know, we have our, our goalkeeper right now is a lad called Ted. Yeah, Kurt. we're going to talk about this. It's crazy. It's a question I get a lot, Seb. Probably the question I get asked the most right now. How have Hashtag United signed a goalkeeper from Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Ted is on loan, he's subject to a transfer window. So, you know, they can technically recall him in January. Hopefully we get him for the season. But we do contribute towards his wages. So we actually have a direct debit set up with Chelsea. We we are paying Chelsea. The club that is paying every other club in the world right now, all these transfers, Chelsea, we're paying them. But it is a serious question. How did it come about? So the, the, the honest answer is it came from the player. Yes. So if you take it back again, another reason I aimed to get to this level five years ago, another reason I aimed to get to the Ishmael Prem. One, it was because I, I believed it was where we would level out in terms of finances. Okay, I believed that, and that, that's been proven. You know, we're, we're doing pretty well in our first season at this level. We're just outside the playoffs right now. Um, we have won successive promotions in previous levels with, without ever having the biggest budget in the league. That's a common mis misnomer with yeah. hashtag. I think yep. we just bought promotion. We've far from done that. Often we've had teams we're competing with spending double or triple what we're spending, which is another thing we will talk about, the amount of money in non-league. You wouldn't believe it it's wild. when you consider it's technically amateur football. Um, and the other reason, so I knew that we could afford to exist at this level. Um, I knew that it was super expensive to go up another level. When you get into the National League, you're doing like, you know, lots of hotel trips and traveling and whatnot. Um, a lot, some teams, many teams at that level are professional. Mm. But also I felt it would be a level where we'd be able to benefit from high profile loan players. It's a level where people like Jamie Vardy and Mikel Antonio and many players have come through non-league. Ian Wright back in the day. Um, it is a level that is deemed good enough and challenging enough where a player can ply their trade and learn their trade. And sometimes, not a lot, but sometimes Premier League teams will send players down. I was probably thinking more about like League Two, League One, maybe yeah. Championship players. You know, we, we had Ted Kerr's actually been on international duty recently to replace him for a month. We got another loan from Dagenham Redbridge, which is a local National League club. Um, obviously, they have been an EFL club as well in the past. And they loaned us a goalkeeper called Josh Drizovic. But the Chelsea one came about from Ted Kerr himself. He was getting sent out on loan. He's a 17 year old goalkeeper. You know, at that age, you just need minutes, right? Yep. You just need to play games of adult football. football. And obviously hotly tipped. He'd been in the in the first team squad. He'd been yep. training with the in first the Premier team. League, yeah. Poch was well aware of him. He's well aware. Of him. He still trains with them now. He comes and plays for us, trains with them. Um, but they wanted him to get experience. They were going to send him to a similar team at our level. And he, and this is one thing that's fascinating, Seb. I was now, gonna say that, yeah. We've now got to a point where young players coming through, there's a good chance they've grown up watching our videos. I mean, that for me is 
going back to what you said about how do people replicate this or how this will happen and come about, that for me links so nicely into that where just where a new generation of football fans are spending their time watching things now. Like when I grew up, the touch points you had for football were going to a game, going to Upton Park, bowling ground, and watching match of the day after casualty on BBC One. That was that was it. They were the touch points now, right? Now you didn't have to watch casualty though. No, you didn't you didn't have to. You catch the end of it sometimes, yeah. you know. Just a good bit. But then for me now, it's basically in your phone, online, everywhere. And yeah. that's where we have been right in the front and centre of that world. And because we've been front and centre of that world, people like Ted have grown up, watched our stuff. And that's gonna be the same for hopefully all around the country now. There are young players that are breaking through into the ranks of professional football that need that opportunity. And the thing about hashtag, not only are we just at a level spent that's like credible, but there's a lot more pressure. There's 100, 200,000 people going to watch those games. It's not yeah. just playing at a good level. It's also playing under a bit of pressure. We're going to be scrutinised by lots of people. For me, that's a great breeding ground yeah. for the mindset needed for a transition into men's football. Um, media, certainly for media a goalkeeper. Training media well. training, exactly. You're getting interviewed every week, exactly. you know, by our media team and... I think it's easy to gloss over and just say, oh, we're at this level now. Like, it's taken a lot of work to get there. You know, we've been doing this. This has literally become, like, our main thing for the last... You know, look at this channel you're on right now. This and another series we're about to do as well, which is going to sort of be behind the scenes on on my job as the chairman of Hashtag and some of the great places I get to visit and things I get to do, we're going to do a sort of vlog on that, on this channel as well. So we're trying to get this channel going again. But if you look at it realistically, last few years, it hasn't been particularly active because of how much of my time has been taken up running this, this fantastic football club. So it wasn't easy getting to this level. But we just going to say it. one thing that a lot of people don't know. We spoke about it on some of these similar videos before. There are now just over 40 football teams at Hashtag United. Four Zero, right? All the, we're going all the way down to what is it, under sixes? Under five? five starts of five, yeah. Under five, five years, years old. old, all the way through, boys and girls, all the way through to like the under 18s, the senior sides, walking football, inclusivity football, dementia football. I don't think I've missed any there. There's a lot of football teams and like that, that comes with a lot of stuff. There's a huge amount of people that are now involved in the club that weren't involved in it, or maybe some of you guys started watching this when it was Faisal Manji whipping balls in for Dan Brown to head home. But now there are literally dozens and dozens of people that give up so much time with the youth committee, with the with the men's, with the women's side, with everything that happens, the facility down at Forest Glade. Like there is like literally hundreds and hundreds of footballers running around with hashtag shirts on on a Saturday morning now. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? If you go down to our youth facility on, on, on a Saturday or Sunday and you, I think I said to you before, and it's like 30 acres, right? You've got loads of pictures everywhere and you go there at the right time and you just see yellow and blue Some, across these wild. fields and you think, these guys are all playing for our football club that we started with a, a, essentially a kickabout on this channel. Crazy. Isn't that crazy how, how far we've come? We're going around with Ryan Adams on in, the back. In less, yeah, <laughs> in less than eight years as well. Seven and a half years roughly since we started it. So well done to you guys. Those of you yeah. that have been watching the whole time and supporting us, you know, it's because of you that we're able to do it. And yeah, like don't think for one second that like it's me and Seb doing everything. That hashtag. Absolutely like, not. You know, not only is there a lot of other people, some of which are in this room right now that help run it on the content side and all the other sides of the business, there's a lot of volunteers. There's a lot of volunteers. A lot of them we've inherited through things like mergers. We did a mm -hmm. merger with a women's team, merger with a youth team. That's how we are able to get so many teams. Some people are surprised when they hear how many teams. It's 40 teams, it's like 500 plus players that play for Hashtag. And they're like, how have you done that so quickly? Well, we essentially teamed up with other teams and they came under the Hashtag banner. But well, yeah, going, going back to the Ted Curd thing. Yeah. So Ted was going to get sent out to a club at our level. And he, because he was aware of the videos, and I think it's important to say here, we're not insinuating that every 17-year-old lad watches and subscribes to Hashtag United. What we're trying to One say is... One and two. We, we think that in the football world, you're probably aware of us. It's not about them yeah, watching yeah, yeah. us, That's but they've correct. heard of us and they understand it. It's like a lot of people that hear about our name the first time in the traditional football world... They kind of like wince at it and they react badly because they're like, hashtag, you know, that, that's not a football name I've heard before. I therefore don't like it because my brain can't compute what it is. 
But younger guys particularly not only get the term and get what it might be, they actually know what we are. Yeah. They actually understand. They're part the of journey. our history. So Ted said, why can't I go to hashtag? And it's actually maybe a bit of luck that his agent, he's good friends with a guy called Timsey. You know, Timsey's Michael Timsey's presenter, does a lot of good stuff on content on um, BBC, Match the Day. He's good friends with Ted's agent, introduced us, had a chat with him, put the manager in charge of him, ended up bringing Ted over. And he's been magnificent, hasn't he? He's been so good, mate. And also, what a guy. What yeah. a young guy. That's one of the things that impresses me so much. And, I, you know, speaking about young Scotty Pollock as well, he's had his history with Hashtag and now playing professionally. You think about a guy that is good, is talented, but he's so humble and works so hard. Mm. And Ted is certainly that as well, right? And he's 17. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. We actually didn't have By the way, can I just say one thing? I know I talk about this on commentary all the time. How far does he kick it? His kicking's a He joke. kicks it so far. I know. It's literally ridiculous. He's like got a two iron connected to his knee. <laughs> he just whacks it, this low trajectory. Like, I don't know what they're putting in the food these days at the schools, but. Well, and some of the saves as well. We think he's oh, potentially course. made. We think maybe the best save in hashtag history thus far. Unbelievable save from Ted. You know, and the future is very bright for him. He's still 17. Like, goalkeepers don't hit their prime to their mid to late 20s. Know. And, you know, like, got 10 years in And then him, they but... retire and start YouTube channels and make podcasts and play golf. Great, you, great, it's got great, all great you got it all ahead of you, Ben Foster, by the way. You. you still owe me a game, son. Don't think I've and, forgotten. And, Ben, have you seen the clip? I played golf with Ben recently and he literally stopped I've out of nowhere it. and he says, don't worry, I've not forgotten. I'm still in loan. So I, next time Ted goes out on loan, Ben, you're coming in on I it. was straight... I actually was probably disrespectfully how, how quick I was when he left Wrexham. I was like, can you come yeah, now? Yeah, 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 he was yeah. like, I'm literally leaving the training ground. Give me a few days. <laughs> uh, so probably went a little bit early on that. Sorry, Ben. But no, obviously we'd love to get Ben. Like Akin Fenwar did, obviously another thing you guys might not know, Akin Fenwar. Men of their word. Men of their he, word. he did live up to his promise. He did come and play a game for us at um, the start of last preseason, which was amazing. As well as having Ted Kerr from Chelsea, who's been on international duty of England recently, we've also got a full international, Saka San, who's now got, I think, four caps for Somalia. He played against Mahrez's Algeria the other day in a World Cup qualifier. Mahrez played in the game. Sack got an assist. Unreal. He plays for hashtag. So well as well. He, he doesn't even always start for hashtag, which is mad. Like to think the level we've got to. I mean, Sack's a great player. He's just competitive and he's been away on international duty. What I'm saying is we've got to a level where we have active internationals that, uh, in a squad at hashtag. I mean, you talk about how hashtag got to a position where we're taking players from Chelsea in a transfer market to... Hashtag now having players on active international duty. Yeah, and to the point where, because of the level we play at, when they go on international duty, we don't get that game off. We have no. to play without them. So they're actually at a, a, a disadvantage when they get called up. And that's where Devs' magic comes in. So yeah, and we actually got a load of other ex-pros and we've got a couple playing for us right now. It's not yeah. just, you know, what I find with Hashtag at the moment is the majority of our squad is either young and on the way up yeah. and they like Hashtag because it's a great platform to yeah. kick on or they can grow with us through the leagues, which many have. Or it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place to come when you're maybe at the back end of your career where you can add serious experience mm. to a young squad. So Greg Halford, who plays for us yeah. now, is in his second season with us. He you know, has played in the Premier League. Um, he's played hundreds of games at championship level. Uh, England under 20 player. You know, unbelievable footballer that played in every single position on the pitch professionally, crazy, including goal. It's, it's crazy. Um, and he's basically done the same thing for us as well. Um, you know, he's added a real level of experience to the club. And then Nathan Smith as well. You know, he, he won League Two uh, with Yeovil Town. He's got Yeovil's record league appearances of all time. He was the fastest defender on FIFA, on FIFA 18, I believe. Um, quality player. How good has he been this season as well? He's Nathan? been unbelievable. unbelievable How many penalties has Greg scored for us? I mean, cracky, it's quite yeah. incredible. Greg, he's never record missed. Is, is the record is unbelievable. But talking about players at the end of their career. There's also been a few others that have said they want to play for us and then sort of maybe take us down a garden path a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I always will hear out every conversation these players come up. Sometimes it's me pursuing them. Sometimes it's the other way around. And you're like, oh, can we get this player in? It'd be great. But the reality of it is actually now we've reached a level now where you still got to be, a, like, you've got a lot about you as a yeah. footballer oh, yeah, still. Like, you know, there were times when we were in maybe that first division, step six, no disrespect to those levels at all. That, that level's still way too hard level for me to play at. But you could have got in with, you know, we had chats with people like Marlon Harewood is a good friend he of ours. He just turned up, not trained. You know, he could have just yeah, turned up and yeah, played yeah. and he would have still been a joke in that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even in his 40s. You know, players like Derek Asamoah, we were playing against him last year in the level below. He's still scoring silly yeah, amounts yeah, of goals, yeah. mid-40s, I think. And it's still rapid as well. But that, that's because he was still keeping himself healthy. Yeah. He was really going for it. You couldn't just, like, turn up out of retirement I mean, and play look, level We're going to talk about this later, like the money side of it. I mean, there are players in our league making serious money. Serious money. So serious money. And, like, so you can't just bowl up and expect, you know, that when the la that level of finance is involved now, the level's going to be high. Yeah, 100%. And so we had a player... What, what, let's talk about this. What is the highest player player in our league? Certainly not in our okay, team. Okay, well, so I'm not going to say names, and I don't know this, no, like, of course. for sure. But if I go off rumours... Like, there's players that are paid well over a grand a week to Crazy. play in our level. Some may be nearer two grand a week. Like, you know, there's, there's, teams with, there's teams with a manager who's managing in the, in the championship last season. It's wild, you know, They're it? top of the league, Hornchurch. There's team, they've also got Sean Scannell playing for them, former Crystal Palace player. You know, he's not old. No. You know, there's, other, there's teams spending serious money. Um, there's, te there's players that can certainly not work in another job. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. It doesn't mean the club is professional in terms of their training full-time, but that player might be considered a professional footballer because yeah. they don't need another job. You yeah, know? Yeah. If you're earning a grand a week, it's 50, 50, well, maybe anything between 40 and 50 grand a year, depending on how many weeks of the year you're getting paid. Um, serious money. For for the seventh division, let's this, this, this be like, let's just apply some context to this. So the beauty of the English pyramid and the reason we're in love with it and the reason we join non-league is that upward mobility. Yes, the fact that you can go, I'm going to start here and end up in the Premier League. It's a great story and not every country has it. The reality of that is because you can achieve that mobility there are teams paying money that just doesn't make sense completely unsustainable it, it doesn't like there's no way their club can ever afford that player but they get them anyway mm. you know obviously you have things like financial fair play in professional football and you can obviously have a whole different podcast about whether that's properly enforced and the everton point deduction and man sitting all this stuff but there are rules in place for expenditure there is no rules of where we're talking. We, we, we operate in the wild west of football. Well, we need to talk about that because it can get wild. And we've seen some up close and personal things that's frankly, well, violent, criminal behavior, yeah. like some serious, serious stuff. Because um, like, where's this money coming from? Yeah, I mean, listen, who's spending like some clubs are losing hundreds of thousands of pounds yeah, a year at most, our level. Most right? clubs. Most. So like, where's that money coming from? Why are these people doing it? The clubs I love are the clubs you encounter. We've encountered many over the years that are just brilliantly run, brilliant people, really good attendances, which is something we still have to achieve. We don't have that bit now. We've got no. amazing viewers online. But uh, I'll use a club, Horsham, for example. We played mm. recently. Oh, they've had yeah, an amazing, amazing FA Cup run this year. They've just been reinstated into it. I'm not sure if they've... The time you see this, they might have played against... Um, who they got in the next round? Sutton. Sutton, yeah, Sutton. So they, they lost to Barnsley. Then Barnsley got... Um, ripped out the competition because they used an ineligible player. We played Horsham a few days before that Barnsley game. We actually beat them 2-0. I think their eyes are probably on, on the FA Cup prize. Um, but an amazing setup. And they you can tell they're a good team because they make good money. Like they have a, over a thousand, we have our record attendance for non-league. There were like 1,700 people there, I think. Um, they have those numbers fairly regularly, over a thousand. You know, they're really good bars and things scattered around that are always getting busy. So they're making money, they're spending it on the pitch. You'll never hear any complaints from me if a team like Horsham go and walk a league because they have money that they make through football. Yep. 
The issue is there's a lot of football teams out there that, okay, it, on in the most innocent version, it's just uh, a couple of wealthy people's playthings that they can they can afford to lose the money on. And listen, as long as there's no financial fair play at our level, who am I to have a problem with that? Absolutely. Maybe I have a little bit of jealousy in a way because we are run as a football club. We are run as a team that spends what we make. We don't have a rich person giving us money that can just be spent. You know, we have had investors and we're going to talk about that later, but we we have to be sustainable. And we have been. It's one of my proudest things as well as all the promotions is the fact that we've yeah, been able absolutely. to do this in a sustainable way. Um, so yeah, some clubs are just businesses that are sponsoring and writing off the money. Cool. Good luck to you. There's a lot of other clubs that maybe get the money through more nefarious ways, shall we say. I'm going to be very careful not to uh, put myself in any legal hot water yep. in this podcast. But I'm not saying anything new when I say, for example, that drug money is scattered for around non-league. That's, that's a fact. It's known to be true. You know, Again, I'm not going to name a particular club here, but there's a club who recently had a huge scandalous event. It's actually a tragic event whereby they'd been spending a lot of money for a period of years. Mm. They weren't spending the money well, which is another typical thing in non-league. And it turned out that one of the guys that was putting the money in, well, first of all, he he, di he was he died in, 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 shall we say, mysterious circumstances. Listen, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead. I don't, I don't know the person and I don't know exactly what went on. Mm. My understanding is that he'd been involved in some shady business and it caught up with him, right? But then what was worse is, this is the mad bit, that club... Then it all started to unravel and they found out the club didn't own as much as they thought they did and maybe he'd been taken for a bit of a ride. They then released a statement oh, crazy. basically saying they cannot offer condolences for his death because of the way he con conducted himself. Essentially, we're sort of glad he's dead. I like, couldn't it, believe it, that. It's ridiculous. It just shows you, like, imagine a professional football club, that getting through the PR department. I mean, that's, the that's the beauty of non-league, is it's so unfiltered. Yeah, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg, guys. There's a lot of stories oh, like so that. so many like that. And it is weird. It is the Wild West. Because, and this is something we've struggled with a little bit. I mean, this even before we were in non-league, where this came to a head the biggest for us was during COVID, which was, we were told our level was amateur football during COVID. It was stopped, right? The league was just deleted. Okay, I'm not going to complain too much because a year later, the stats ended yep. up being counted and we ended Justice up getting prevailed. promoted out of it. And we were a big part of that. Yeah, yep. We did a Had whole a campaign, yeah. campaign called Project Non-League that helped make that happen. But for a time, we were told it's not elite football. And I'm not saying it is elite. You know, they've got to have a cut off somewhere. They're not, we're not professional footballers at the end of the day at our level. But we are a professional business. You know, we run our football club as a business that has employees that have to be paid. And when you stop letting us play football... How can we continue? How can we keep paying those people? How can we keep the club lights on? So it was very difficult for us to be told we weren't professional. The reality is a lot of the teams we were at the same level as weren't professionally run and they were just volunteers and they weren't maybe paying their players or doing anything like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're the same as them. And that's another reason I wanted to get promoted and promoted mm. and promoted because I needed to get to a level where we were taken a bit more seriously mm. because there is serious things at play. You know, if, if you know, you hear in the Premier League all the time, if you get relegated, there's real life, uh, repercussions people lose their jobs you know yeah. they have to downsize whatever that was the same for us when we couldn't play football that was the fear and when covid happened and then it's a fear if you basically just are told the league like again we're not a professional football club but we are a professional thing mm. that makes sense so anyway that's always been the challenges like we're alongside all these different characters aren't we different chairman and yeah. people different ways of running the football club and for me that's what i want this podcast to be is talking to all those people yeah and like, how do you run your football club oh we don't do it like that why is that mm. and, and particularly interesting people that have great stories i guarantee like we, we one thing that is a shame and, and i think we probably actually get thought ill of because of it 
Um, so it's interesting to address it is that on a match day, home or away, you and I or you and someone else or me and someone else are normally doing the commentary, which means there's things to do before the game, things to do at halftime, there's things to do on camera after the game. And what that means we don't get to do as much as we'd like is go into like the boardrooms yeah. of, the, of the other teams and see the other chairman and the other committee members and talk to them as much. Like we have other people in the club that are able to do that, like like uh, our dad and like Derek and some of those other guys and, and Darren and lo yeah. lots of people that go and have those conversations. But whenever you do get to do it, I guarantee you, Every single non-league club has a couple of amazing stories that have happened. Oh, yeah. But they've probably been running for like 100 years, yeah. right? So some of the stuff that's happened is like, oh, my God, like so interesting stuff. And it's not stuff they're going to put on the in the program notes. It's not stuff they're going to put on there, but it might be some stuff that could lead to some very interesting conversations. And we've had some. I think there's lots more to uncover. Yeah, and that's just non-league. Obviously, there's some people in professional football that we want to speak to as well. Yeah, of course. And all over, you know, friends from the YouTube scene. You know, there's a lot, yeah. of, lot of good well, conversations. Well, one, to have. one question that I know a lot of people um, want to know about is we've talked a bit about the financial side of the game. We've talked about how we don't do it that way. But as things are going to get more and more expensive, especially if we talk about any potential additional promotions, like we've got to talk about the women's team at some point, about getting into the on the verge of getting into the championship. How's that look? What's yeah. that system like? How much does that cost? What are the process is there? How are we going to keep paying for all these things? How have we paid for it? Investors, you know, can what are these opportunities? And there's so many questions we get regularly about investment, about money, about stadium. There's more to get into, isn't there? Well, I think I want to use this as an opportunity to finally address some things. I think firstly, and we're definitely guilty of of creating this narrative because it made a lot of sense to, right? But obviously when we joined non-league, it was very much like, you know, how many promotions are we from the Premier League? Yeah, that's the storyline you want to kind of weave and you want to get, you want to dream. We and, and we could get to the Premier League. It's not impossible. The promotion journey and ladder is there for us. The reality is we need hundreds of millions of pounds to get to the Premier League. Oh, right? yeah. Like hundreds. You look at Salford City, I'll use an example. They started at a similar level to us, flew through the leagues. They're pretty stagnant at League Two. They're actually having a pretty poor season at the moment. It looks like they're struggling to get beyond that. Now, that's no, there's no shame in that. For a club like Salford and their history, to be in League Two is unbelievable. The job, the class 92, and Peter Liam, if you don't know, is the guy that owns Valencia, is the man that, joined, that took Gary Neville to Valencia as, as manager. He's a billionaire. He's also a co-owner with... So, uh, the, the class 92 obviously Beckham got involved more recently as well they've done a fantastic job Salford City in League 2 is incredible but they have hit a wall if you like you know so the question is where do we hit our wall mm. you know what's the reality so that, like I say we, we told the story about getting to the Premier League but internally and it, within the club not in the videos it was always about getting to the level we are now for both the men and then when we merged with the women the women as well getting back to tier 3 that's where they've been before because we don't want to overreach. So you've got a couple of things to think about. You've got option one. What can we do on our own as we are? You know, as the, the, the people that own Hashtag currently, you know, the, the very small amount of shareholders. Like I'm still the vast majority shareholder in this club. You know, you probably know you may not. Cesar Azpilicueta got involved um, nearly five years ago. Now, over five years over ago, five before years we were ago, in yeah. non-league, actually. Mm. That was more of an esports involvement yeah, at first. Yeah. That's how we got him on board. So I met him and we chatted and he was really keen on the project. And he came in. Uh, sort of six-figure investment sum. Um, we just put it into the coffers at that point. We were running sustainably. We always had a, a, a vision of getting a stadium, so we put that money towards it. So we put any money we ever made, really, in the stadium fund. Um, but we got Cesar on board. It's fantastic. Uh, more recently, we did a, a much bigger investment round. Um, we actually sold 10% of the club, um, and that valued the club at £5.5 million which we're very proud of. You know, it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible. We started it from nothing. On that was a couple of years ago as well. That was a couple of years ago. We had a few promotions since yeah, then. Yeah, a few more promotions. Um, so, but again, I'm still, the, I'm still the biggest majority shareholder. So 
as we are, where are where would we go from here? You know, could could we get promoted again? Yes, we could. We could we could probably sneak in the playoffs as the men. We could do it this year. And um, the women are top of their league right now. It's more about what you're prepared to pay for. So mm. right now, as things stand, with the current level of the budgets we have, we're never going to be the biggest spenders in either of the leagues we're in. And, I, and I'm not, I've got no problem with that. We've never been the biggest spenders, as I mentioned before. But in football, you know, it's something like there's a 90% correlation between who spends the most, where they finish in the league. So if you actually want to guarantee promotions, you have to be prepared to spend the most. And even then, you still might not go up. Possibly for a couple of years. Exactly. Yeah. So we're not prepared to spend the most, as the current business is. If it doesn't make sense. At, at these levels, yep. no. So um, we are likely to, if we're going to go up, it will be for a, an overperforming. But that's kind of what we've yep. always done. I'm not saying we can't go up. What I'm probably well, saying is if we did go up, we definitely wouldn't be the biggest spenders again. So here's a would... question for you. Would you consider selling a lot, another chunk of the club? Well, that is a, that's the big question, isn't it? We, is hashtag United for sale? You know, it, it comes up all the time. Um, and there is no straight answer to no, that. No, there isn't. Because there's, like I say, I love non-league football. You know, we grew up in it. Our dad was a physio at East Thurrock. We've bought so much of the East Thurrock, like, backroom staff and playing staff to the club over the years. There's a real synergy there. And a side note, really sad to see that East Thurrock actually yeah. went well, folded this year They're to leave their league position in the league below. And now the ground's gone to someone else. Like, a real shame. Um but I hope they come. They are going to have a Phoenix Club, which is great to see. Um, so we can, we can exist where we are right now, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's a lot to be said for non-league football. Um, there's a lot to be said for being able to go to an away game and get home for dinner. Like I always say, it sounds silly, but is you we've got families and things. You know, you're going to get home see your kids. So it's a lovely level of football. But I do have a dream for hashtag United to fulfil its potential. I think we all do, right? Yeah, that's all... the thing, Ben, and that is the key key thing to mention. What is the potential of this football club? Because we know where the limit is because yeah. it exists, right? And I think you and I had a session years ago and we thought about what does success look like? And there were some crazy things on that bit of paper. Bear in mind, you're talking about winning the you... Champions League. Well, we had things like <laughs> hashtag theme parks, like, like, like crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, look, Dean Perfect have now gone and done it. Like, anyway, that was probably a little bit more facetious. But if you went back to some of the first moments where like we're on the train up to Manchester to like talk to... Umbro, one of our first kit providers, yeah. right? Talking about like, what is this club? What does it mean? How we, we didn't have the idea for what chapter no. one was going to look like. No, it was then. on that train all, journey where you came up with the whole promotion division one concept. Like all these things that have happened, um, and you always think like you look. Always, there's so much going on. You always hard to look further than what's right in front of you. Yeah. But I believe with the momentum we've got and the fan base we've got and the you know the way we make the content, the potential is so enormous. But it probably will be to to reach that maximum potential, certainly to reach anywhere like the Premier League or the yeah. WSL, we're going to need some help. Yeah. So this is how I would look at it, because you've got to try and look at it from a neutral head, right? Like it's easy for any club at any level to say our potential is the Premier League because you just have to get promoted and we yeah. just need enough money to do it. But there's no point in just wasting money. Like I'm not really interested in that. 100% I, I, agree. If you said to me now, I can get you to League Two in three years, but you're going to get there and you're going to be out of money and you're going to come then what? straight back and down. And then what? Exactly. The journey's going to end and the club will be dead. I'm not interested no, in that. That would agreed. be an ego thing. Yeah. For me, I want us to go as high as we can possibly go, but I want it to make sense. Yeah. And the reason I believe our potential is so high is based on the just the, the numbers. The numbers don't lie. No. Like, again, we are looking at a different model of a football club. We are not trying to say we're the next Wrexham and, you know, we come and get involved in hashtag and 12,000 people are going to come out the woodwork and start watching our games in, in public. Like, We've been around seven years. We've been in non-league for five years. You can't expect us to have that sort of attendance anytime soon. That yeah. is going to be a long, long slog, but it will come over time the more we're around and the more things we do. But 
if you just are able to sort of use your imagination, not even imagination, but pivot your expectations of what a football club is a little bit. And I got in a little hot water a few years ago when I went on the Ben Foster podcast and I made a comment about, and, and I hope this doesn't get misquoted again, but I, I actually did explain it in the podcast, but it was clipped up. And yeah. I, basically, I said, depending on what your metric for what makes a club big is, because that whole oh, West Ham are massive or the whole idea of calling a club big doesn't mm. actually mean anything, no. right? What do you mean? Do you mean how many fans you've got? Do you mean how big your stadium is? Do you what mean how good you are at football? Yeah, yeah. Do you mean how many trophies you've won? Like Everton will tell you they're a massive club. Yeah. Like, And I'm not disputing that. It just depends on your definition of massive. Because if your definition of massive is being a consistently successful Premier League football team, they aren't one. They're always near the bottom. I wouldn't even say West Ham are big no. on that on that metric. Or more recently, we've had success in Europe. But if your success is, if your measurement is former success, Everton are a huge football club because yeah. they've won many, many titles, not for a long time. You know, it's not, not, it's quite a long time now since Man United and Arsenal were dominant in the Premier League. Yeah. No one's saying they're not big clubs, but if the metric was how good you are at football, at the top, top end of it, they aren't anywhere near as big as a Man City, as a Liverpool, if that's your metric. So I said, right, my if you take a metric of how many people physically watch your matches, and I don't mean in the crowd, I mean physically spend time in their week to go out their way to watch your football team play. We have hundreds of thousands of people consistently over a period of nearly eight years. That is like a long period of time yep. to sustain that view. So they are fans of this football club. Yep. Therefore, who else has that many people go out their way to watch them play? Yep. What level does that put us at? Yep. It doesn't put us at the level we're at now. No. It puts us many, many levels higher. Yep. You know, so and, we that, and that's just what we've been able to do. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's yeah, what yeah. we've been able to do on our own. Yes, we've had a little bit of help along the way, but those investors have not changed the plan at any point. They've just uh, given us a bit of security, yeah, I would absolutely. say. like The investment we took recently, I mentioned earlier, that again was to go straight in the stadium fund. Uh, we talked about this and there is a video on the hashtag United channel if you're interested to learn more about the commercial side of the business. We had a, a, a real bit of bad luck last year with a, a, one of our big sponsors went bust and essentially didn't pay us for any of the kits we sold. And we, we, we should have got a lot more money from them than we did, unfortunately. And we lost a long-term deal out of it. Some of those savings that we had in the stadium fund uh, went towards just well, the, the filling gap. that yeah. gap. Yeah, yeah. So thank God we have run the club. Yeah, so absolutely. I think... That's where, talking about potential, we know that the Premier League, as much as it's exciting, it feels a long way away. Hashtag United. Obviously, we're not saying that's our goal at all anyway. What is not as far away is the women's trajectory. Yeah. So, for example, the championship. But look, even being involved in the club like we are, I've learned so much in the last few months about what that structure looks like, what promotion looks like. For example, licenses you have to apply for. So, so interesting. Yeah. Because the women's team being top of the league, as we are, as we currently record this podcast, you know, in the position that would get promotion to the women's championship, we've had to learn about what that actually means and what that comes with cost-wise, commitment-wise, what that comes with in revenue. Because you just start to get to a level where there is actually... Money that TV comes to money. the club. Exactly. TV money. We've had to, like, I, I know some of you, so if we're assuming a lot of people watching this maybe aren't up to date with the hashtag journey, they're almost certainly not up to date with the women. Yep. They might not even know we have a women's team, right? Which, and it's partly maybe our fault because we don't get to make as much content about the women as much as we'd like anyway because they're so good, Seb. So good. They're so, objectively speaking, they're so much better than our men. Uh, of course. Right? You just look at the levels. Men are seventh tier, women are, th women are third tier. They absolutely walked the fourth tier last year. You know, in a really competitive league, you basically couldn't afford to lose a game. I mean, one thing, yeah. just a tidbit. Our striker, Sammy Rowland, was the top scorer in the entire Women's FA Cup. She got awarded the award on the pitch at Wembley in front of yeah. the Women's FA Cup final And she crowd. was on the draw for the most recent one recently. Unbelievable. Yeah, like, the girls are unreal. Jason Stevens and his staff have done a fantastic Incredible. job. Um, 
And we are massively overperforming expectations-wise right now. We're top of the third tier in our first season in the third tier. First season back there, I should say. So it's not this level now. So when we talk about the men, we talk about, right, the next step is going to National League South. There's a lot of professional teams at that level. But nothing changes ultimately when you go up in terms of um, your requirements. What you, There's ground grading and there's, some, there's a lot of logistics for sure. But when the women go from a third tier to the second tier, which is the women's championship, it's a professional league, you have to apply for a license. If you don't get that license, you can win the league, but you're not going up. They have to grant you that license based on the setup of your club. And it's a lot of things. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. We're not just talking about your staging. We're talking about, you know, you have to be full-time. So the girls have to be doing a minimum of, you know, it's like eight hours plus match day a week. That's minimum. You're talking about, you know, minimum wage as well. Minimum they have to be paid. You're talking about you're having full-time staff across a number of different roles. And these are not just minimums for the license. Then you've got to worry about to be competitive. Yeah, that might still get relegated exactly. if you do all those things. You know, some teams are doing way more than that. And you're talking about proper, proper clubs. I mean, we've played and beat many big names in women's football already. Like, you know, in the leagues we've been up against AFC Wimbledon yeah. and Norwich and Milton, uh, MK Dons and Southend United, 17-0. Don't like to mention it, but um, huge, <laughs> huge results. You know, and you got championship teams, you've got teams in there. I mean, Man United were in there a few years ago. Liverpool were in there a few years ago. Imagine Some big teams are not yeah. even there. Newcastle, United are in the same level as us, but in the Northern League. And they're getting like thousands of thousands of people at games, sometimes tens of thousands when they play at St. James Park. So... Yeah, I mean, if the women stay top of the league, we could be about to take the biggest gamble in the history of hashtag because going up is a gamble because it's so expensive. Yeah, the women are at a really interesting level and we're, we're kind of flying higher than we thought we would right now. So as a result, we have to prepare for promotion. I'm not saying we expect it. I'm no, not saying we're going to get it. Teams like Portsmouth and Ipswich uh, in our league who are really going for it have a professional setup, spend a lot more money than us. Like they're more, much more favourites than we are. We just happen to be above them right now. Mm. Uh, we've got to play them both. We've got to play both. We beat them once already, but we've got to play them both again. Yeah. But yeah, we've got to see if we can even get the license. Yeah, you know, we've got loads of things to do for that. Um, but it is that is professional. What football. an exciting opportunity! Like that's how close we are to the professional game in, yeah. as a football club now. So that, as TV we sit, deal. as we sit right now, currently, if the season ended now, hashtag United are a professional football club. Yeah. Hundred percent. Think about that. And, and that is what's crazy about that, Seb. And this is this has been the case for a couple of other teams as well in the football pyramid. In that world, the women would be helping the men. Yeah. Because the women would get professional status and you would be able to sort of grow out your professional team off the pitch as well as on the pitch, which the whole club would benefit yep. from. So that's, I mean, I'm so happy we merged with that women's team. Like, yeah, honestly, I get so much joy from the women's team. Yeah. You know, it was 2019 World Cup when I sort of converted to women's football, if you like. And I saw it and I just thought, wow. Do you remember what? where we were? Exactly the moment when we talked about you doing that tweet. You like, I've had this idea, say about this thing. And you talked to me. And you're like, I don't know exactly where we were. Wasn't when we had our, a little company we, day? We were in, hotel. no, we were in the uh, clubhouse at Fulham's training ground filming an academy episode. Right. And we were upstairs having food afterwards. I think Joshua Shude had just won the academy. Second season, yeah. And we just filmed the 65 takes it took him to do his winner's interview. <laughs> yeah. We went upstairs, there was a women's game on. Yeah. And I think that was the moment. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've I loved every minute of it. Like, the, the it's a breath of fresh air, the, the attitude of the girls, the way they apply themselves, you know, um, the, the 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 vibe at games is very different you know right, this is going to sound so preachy and so maybe even cringy but I, it is such a shame the stigma that women's football gets and you know coming from a world where that's so widespread it's so uninformed yeah people like just don't understand it it's like, a dying breed it, it is it is it is true and you know things like 
women going into EAFC now is an amazing leap forward for yeah. that sort of thing to get more into the consciousness of, of a wider and amount of games are on TV now. I right? just I just think it is it is a real if you are somebody I don't hold this against you because you know a lot of people are were and are. If you hold that opinion that women's football isn't entertaining, you're just wrong. Yeah, you're like, right. You just, and you're you also, you're missing it. out on so much football. Yeah, exactly. So the way I look at it, you take it back to how this whole channel came about, right? came about from us loving playing football computer games, right? And why do we love playing football computer games? Because it's a way to keep playing football when you can't play football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a way to continue your football experience, even if it's like football manager, whatever. You're still in the world of football. So from a completely selfish perspective, it was like... Why have one team when I can have two teams? Why, can I, why have one yeah. men's team when I can have a women's team? Like I have twice as many players to love and worship and go and watch play. And what I would say, if I look at it purely from a Spencer footballing brain, and I, listen, I'm going to say something that probably is a little bit un-PC here, but I'm sure every man has thought it. The first thing you see when you see women's football is you think, could I play? You, you watch it and you think, oh, I could play in this team. It's, very, it's no, a very right? uninformed view. You see a high-level women's game and you think, oh, I, I could play in this. You know, like, I could be good if I was a woman, whatever. I have played with our women and they just constantly nutmeg me, <laughs> right? They're so much better than me. And actually, and I'm not saying I'm good, by the way, but on a technical level, on, on yeah. a, obviously there's, there's physical difference in the men and the women's game, but on a technical, what they can do with the ball, they're better than our men. Yeah, of course. Like, so. and, and, and they should be because they're a higher level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that I think two things that people that may be watching this, if you're, if you're honest with yourself, you could do to, to maybe make yourself appreciate women's football a bit more would be one, go and play with some. Mm. play with some women because like, something we don't do in this country a lot but in America for example it's much more normal co-ed football yep. and secondly I think you get a lot of these misogynist guys who have very I think dinosaur like views like do they have daughters mm. I wonder because I, I don't have a daughter you have a daughter and I just can't imagine a man having a daughter and thinking those things about women's football yeah because I think there's so there's antiquated. a third thing and we'd be remiss to have this conversation not shout her out is go and follow Alex Bates of course. Go and follow the content yeah. she's doing. Not only is she creating a lot of content about the hashtag United Women's Team every almost every week, but she's also travelling the world watching the Elite Women's Game. WSL, the International, the Lionesses. So shout out Alex. Go and check her out um, if you want to start getting yourself educated. So let's take it back to what we, we started to talk about, Seb, which is where we are and where we could go as a club. So where we are right now, yep. we don't take financial risks. We don't risk the sustainability of the football club. Everything that's going to always come first. Yes, we want to win on the pitch, but we're never going to make a decision which harms our future a year, two years, three years down the line. If we want to superpower what we're doing, if we want to see how far we can really get, we need to find a new way of doing things. And the two things that are most within our reach right now, if we take the Premier League and the Champions League and all this stuff away for a second, it is being a professional football club, because we're basically as close as you can get to that without being one. And it is having a football ground. Now, football ground, obviously, we, we ground share right now. You know, we're, we're nomadic in a way. The reason the football ground is so important is ultimately because it allows you to, one, have food and bar money. Because if you're a ground sharer, you don't get that. Your, your landlord gets that. So it's a decent part of the pie. Every game day, we don't get. If we have a big, big crowd at a game, um, and we've earned that big crowd through having a great run in a cup or the league, whatever, it's our landlords that get most of the money from the food and bar. We're leaving money on the table there. Obviously, more money on the table, better revenues, your club does better. Everything goes back to the pitch eventually. But the other reason is it allows you to start really making inroads in a community, which for a club like Hashtag United is hard because we don't have a place in our name. So it takes longer for people to feel like they're part of our community in real life. I think there's people online that feel very part of Hashtag and they could be from anywhere in the world. That's the beauty of our name. 
But the converse side of that is there's not necessarily people down the road that feel like hashtag's a local club. Once you get ground and you start saying, this is where we are, we're going to be here for a long time, make some noise, then you're going to start getting bigger attendances. And that's what we need, ultimately, short term. And I term. think that's a, a good moment then to say something that's not going to be applicable for everybody out there, but a large portion of it will be because the beauty of what hashtag have been able to do is because we can reach so many people all around the world. But the core of our audience is still from the UK. And if you broke that down, it's still largely that the biggest individual section of a town would be around London and Essex, right? So there are people out there that are within the shot of coming to a hashtag game. You may have never done it. There's an opportunity that we've got a great group of like super fans that come follow home away women's games as well. They're amazing. But there's an opportunity to get right involved and form like the hashtag ultras. And I, I can see yeah. a world in the future where we've got like a hardcore, even if it's like, Hundred people, a couple hundred people that come into games are making a lot of noise. It makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference. We're now on at the, the pitch, level on the where our opponents are bringing decent away crowd, yeah. and and we now need to really lift our home voice as well as our away voice. So there's an opportunity. Get now is that moment. Now is the call to arms. If you're on that fence, and it's not all of you that are local, and you've thought about doing it, get a load of the boys and girls together and get down to a game. Sixth of January next year, we play Dulwich Hamlet away. Oh yes, that will probably big. be the biggest attendance game of our season. They often get three thousand plus people there. Uh, it's a very sort of hipster, modern day crowd. I've got a lot of time for Dulwich Hamlet. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but there'll be, you know, the vast majority of them yep. will be Dulwich Hamlet fans. Yep. So you just got to imagine what that can do to the atmosphere, what that can do to the ref in terms of appeals Absolutely. to the crowd. So there is a world where we, we reach too far. We get promoted too much, you know, too high, where our lack of support in the ground actually harms us on the pitch. That is very possible. We're almost there now, to be honest. We're not quite there. I think we've got a good level of support. And the ultras that we have, the super fans, they are getting louder, which I'm enjoying. But um, yeah, there's often games are outnumbered, even at home sometimes. So that's something we want to do. But what we've got to be realistic is, Seb, is what can we do as it is right now? And what do we need to take it further? And for us to go further, more promotions, a stadium, you know, more fans in the ground, whatever, professional football, we need more investment. We realistically need investment to a level which would mean I wouldn't be the majority shareholder anymore. And that's the question I get all the time. Am I prepared to do that? You know, how does it balance between this this beautiful setup I have where I essentially am able to run a football club for a job, which no one really gets to do at this level, really. And because um, of the content we make, it allows it to happen. But we're restricted because I'm not a wealthy benefactor. I can't just throw loads and loads of money at the club every year. I haven't got it. Yep. So that's where we are. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. If we're a non-league team for the next 50, 100 years, that'd be amazing. But if we want to go higher, if we want to go professional, if we want to kick on more, we basically need someone else in charge financially. Like I, I would always want to work and be part of the club if I was allowed to. But am I prepared to give away power and control? The answer is yes. For the right situation. For the right situation. Yep. I'm not looking to do it, no. but I'm prepared to do it if that person or group come in and make the club better. Yep. And better doesn't just mean wealthier. Yep. Better means there's a plan that's going to make this club something that I can never do. Because that's the interesting thing is that we see a lot of money coming in now, a lot of it from America into like lower level football clubs in the UK to be part of that journey. And we've seen some of them go incredibly well, like Wrexham, and we've seen some of them go less well, for should we say. Yeah. Um, the beauty of, I think, what is interesting with us is that you're someone that would come in and join the team here or a group of people, you're not swimming against the tide straight away. No. Do you know what I mean? There's not going to be that you'd be resistance. A hero. Of, you'd, be the, you'd be, and you're extending, because hashtag United, we plan this club to be around forever, right? So that's why we make the decisions that we make. We're still, like, we say we're in chapter two, chapter three, maybe now you call it whatever, right? Whatever chapter we're in. We're still at the very beginning, really. We're still at that launch pad moment. So that's why I think 
there's not really any other football club. Well, there isn't a football club in the no, world. Most like football ours. clubs, you come in, you're going to piss a lot of people off. There's yeah. a lot of stakeholders there. The club's 100 years old. They don't like the new way of doing things. With us, everyone that's watched us from day one understands there's an evolution that constantly mm. is happening. And I think anyone listening to this, even that is a fan of Hashtag, would understand why it would make sense for me not to be the main guy yeah. if we're going to go further. But equally, there'll probably be some that love the idea of me being the main guy yeah. and us staying where we are. There's no right or wrong. It's just about what we want to achieve as a club. Yes. And I still have an itch in me to see how far we can go. Agreed. And I think with the women's championship thing particularly, there's an opportunity. Women's football, men's football is, is, is certainly not stagnant, but it is a status quo that's established. You know what each level costs. You know what is going to happen. And the TV deals, there they go up, but they don't go up like drastically more than inflation. The money doesn't come down that much. Women's football is just completely been reinvented every five minutes. I mean, Nuco has literally just been uh, voted for by the mm. championship and WSL clubs two days ago as we record this. Uh, to say that they're no longer going to be run by the FA and they're going to go out and they're going to probably get bigger tendered uh, TV deals and there's going to be more money. And it's going to be a great thing for women's football. We could be part of it. Yep. We could be part of it next season. We could be in the championship next season. So, yeah, we're looking at different things, aren't we? We're looking at opportunities. We're always having chats with potential investors and things. We, we, we would invite more. We would invite more chats if there's people. What I would say is that it's not another Wrexham or whatever. It's, it's a very unique football club. And we are more than a football club in the sense of what we have off the pitch with the media operation. So you need to really love that part of the club yeah. if you're going to come and be part of it. You need to understand, I want to be on this unique journey in mm. football rather than... Because if you want to buy... For the amount of money it would cost to buy a hashtag, you could buy a club at a higher level than us. But what would you be buying? Mm. Does Is that club future-proofed? Has that club got any sort of unique revenue model? Or are you just going to be buying another club that's going to need you to sink money into it every year? I think there's an opportunity for people to come into our club put money in and make something that is sustainable at a high level, which is Great. unique. So we're also thinking about maybe you know, we might have to do some crowdfunding opportunity one day and let yeah, people become like owners one. at the club that watch the yeah. videos. So we, we, we're kind of in the middle of that stage right yes. now of planning it all. So watch this space for that. But I'm going to end the podcast there, Seb. There's a lot of things we started to talk about. We kind of run out of time. I don't want to be too long. Maybe after we chatted to some other people from other clubs, we could do a little update episode. I mean, we started to talk about some interesting characters mm. we've bumped into. I mean, we have seen some things genuinely with my own eyes, heard them with my own ears. N managers of football clubs giving our players death threats. And to be more precise, a manager of a football club that we're playing against at the game saying to one of our players from his dugout that he's going to come to his house and stab him in his sleep. And that was just the start of it. We've had that same manager apparently, well, not apparently because I've heard them, sending voice notes to players that didn't sign for him saying he's going to cut their head off and put it in a paper bag. Like, and this guy's still in a job. Like, this is the sort of thing you run into non-league. So there's a lot of stories there. We've also had, you know, a completely other, other tangent, you know, massive footballers, like international footballers who have kind of flirted with the idea of coming to the tags. Um, and there's been conversations that haven't worked out. And there's a lot of different reasons why that is. We can delve into that. So there's a lot still to talk about. But thank you for joining me, Seb. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. We're going to have some more episodes coming soon. If there's anyone particular from the world of football you want to hear from, let us know. We'll try and get them on the show. And uh, yeah, make sure if you've listened to it on audio platforms, you leave a rating. If you watched it on YouTube, drop a like. And we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Until next time, don't go changing.